Well, well, well. Good morning. Good morning. Big welcome to you if you're uh, joining us for the first time here or online. Massive welcome. Thank you for being with us this morning. What a special occasion on many ways as we remember, reflect, and give thanks. I just want to say to David and Helen a massive thank you. Uh, I think they're talking at the moment. Oh, just David and Helen. I just want to express, I'll just give them a wee second, just want to express uh, on behalf of us all, it's all been said wonderfully, but I just want to say a massive thank you. Thank you for your example. And uh, we're on a one another series, and I don't think anyone exemplifies or models the attributes of the one another's quite like David and Helen. Their life has built, been built for many years on community. Um, and they live the one another's. And so I want to thank you for inspiring us all that the future is bright. You model and radiate life, abundant life. And that's what we have to look forward to if, like David and Helen, we put Jesus first and live uh, like the wise man. You're like the wise man and woman who built your house on the rock. So I just want to say a massive thank you. It's an honor to be speaking on the one another series. And last week, we, um, we started a series on the one another's in the Bible. And we were looking at what is biblical community. As I said, David and Helen have just modeled and exemplified that better than most of us over many years. In the New Testament, we see the one another commands such as love one another, forgive one another, serve one another, pray for one another, encourage one another, many, many another's. You can't do another on your own. <laughs> you need another. And uh, my one for today is confess to and pray for one another, reading James 5 verse 16. There we go, James 5 verse 16, which says, therefore, confess your sins to one another. I don't know, Tim, if you're able to get that screen on for me. That's quite helpful if you're able to get that screen on up there. James 5, verse 16. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. There's two one another's in the same verse here. That you may be what? Forgiven? No. That you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. And then we see in the Passion Translation, confess and acknowledge how you have offended one another and then pray for one another to be instantly healed for tremendous power. How many of us would like tremendous power, would like to experience tremendous, uh, tremendous power, would like to have someone with tremendous power pray over us? We would all like that, wouldn't we? We'd maybe spend thousands of pounds to go and get someone with tremendous power to, to pray with us. You can have it right here in your own city, in your own village, with tremendous powers released through the passionate, heartfelt prayer of a godly believer. Now, confess your sins. I know you're all excited to get up early to hear me talk about confess your sins, but the word for sins in Aramaic can be translated faults, folly, or offenses. And it's why the Passion Translation uh, says, confess and acknowledge how you have offended one another and then pray for one another. Now, I know none of you have ever been offended. You're bulletproof, yeah? 
What's that song of Bulletproof? Shall we sing that? Uh, and I know none of you have ever offended anyone, ever. Especially not your spouse. You've never, ever offended your spouse. No? But let, <laughs> let's start with that you may be healed. It doesn't say that you may be forgiven, and why not? Well, because forgiveness for sins comes from God, and so confession or admitting your sins is first and foremost to God, isn't it? Forgiveness comes from Him. And confession to another person is not an absolute necessity for forgiveness of sins from God. You don't need to confess your sins to another person to be forgiven. Think of the example of the criminal on the cross next to Jesus. He had no time to go and confess to anyone, no time to speak to anyone other than God in Jesus himself. And yet Jesus said, today you will see me in paradise. But it is healing for people and relationships uh, when we confess to and pray for one another. But it's not a necessity. We first and foremost should confess to God and ask for forgiveness to God. So we're instructed here by James that we need to do something in order to be healed. Let me suggest we all need some healing. Uh, and some need more healing. And um, the more you live, the older you get, the deeper and the more healing you need. Now, what kind of healing does James have in mind? Well, let me suggest that if you dig a little deeper and look into the context, we can see that it includes physical healing of bodies from actual sickness. It can include spiritual healing where we have become spiritually blind and insensitive, like the Israelites in Jesus' day. They needed spiritual healing. And sometimes we need spiritual healing because their hearts had grown dull. Their ears had become hard of hearing, and their eyes were shut. And Jesus offers to heal them if they turn. So there's a different type of healing. That's not a, Jesus says, I'll heal you, but it's a spiritual healing that they needed, and so do we. The healing can also include healing from sickness of sin. Now, Jesus viewed sin as sickness that we need healed from. When Jesus was asked, why do you eat with sinners and tax collectors? He answered, well, it's not the well who have needs. They have no need for a physician. It's the sick. Why do you eat with sinners? Because the sick need a physician. Jesus viewed sin as sickness that people need healed from and he was a great physician to heal the sick. That's why Jesus had mercy and compassion for sinners, not anger. They were sick and needed healing, and so do we. So the healing also includes healed relationships that become broken and hurt when someone sins or hurts or offends another person. So there's a whole wealth of healing when it says that you may be healed. And we know they're very often interconnected. So when you're offended and mentally uh, not feeling great, how that um, plays out in the physical body. Your blood pressure goes up, your heart rate goes up, your sleep gets deprived, you get more stressed, and it's a vicious cycle. So our physical health is related 
to our mental health and well-being. It's related to our emotional health and our spiritual health. Because God made us one being that is all unconnected. You have your physical body there, your emotional body there, your mental body there, and you can, uh, you can be um, offended here, and it doesn't affect your physical body. Of course it does. When you're offended, you are not happy. <laughs> and so we need healing. And James says we're to confess our sins to one another and pray for one another. And I can see the excitement at the thought of that. But he says, the Passion Translations, we are to confess to and acknowledge to one another when we have offended one another, and then to pray for one another. So if we've hurt someone intentionally or even by accident, we should confess or admit to the person, apologize, and seek to be reconciled before offering gifts at the altar, Jesus said Leave the altar, leave your place of worship, go and be reconciled, and then come back. Because loving people and loving me are interconnected. And so if you're coming and loving me with hypocrisy while holding a fence, then go and get that sorted and come back and offer your gifts at the altar. But we should do it as soon as we become aware of it. The sooner, the better. And we should go directly to the offended person and ask for forgiveness. Should we confess private sins or secret sins to one another? Well, to receive forgiveness, we should go to God and confess to God and ask for forgiveness because our forgiveness, our sin is against God and our forgiveness comes from God. Psalm 28 verse 13, New Living Translation says, people who conceal their sins will not prosper. But if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. And in his commentary opening up, James Roger Ellsworth, he says this, Confession should always be as wide as the sin. If we have sinned secretly, we should confess it to God. If we have sinned against someone else, we should confess it to God and the person we have wronged. And if we have sinned publicly, we should confess it to God and in public. I hope that's helpful. It's very helpful for me in understanding what James is talking about here. So if my sin is done within my heart alone, involves no offense to anybody else, I should confess my sin to God and receive his mercy. If my sin involves offending another person, I confess my sin to God, and then privately, I should go to the person to confess, ask for forgiveness, and seek to be reconciled. But I would also suggest that our sin includes our struggles, our weakness, our imperfection, our areas of vulnerability. And if we have struggles in our lives, it's good to open up and be vulnerable with others about our areas of weakness and to ask for help. That's humility. And God exalts the humble. He lifts up the humble when we humble ourselves and we ask for help. And as we do this, we find that healing comes through connection, compassion, through community, and through confession. And um, the two 
most wonderful people that I am able to do this with most easily is, number one, my beautiful wife, Lindsay, and many times she has just been a great listener as I unload and unpack my frustrations, my feelings, my confusion, uh, my difficulty, and uh, Lindsay is wonderful. And one of the most powerful things about connecting is when you reveal your worst and someone still sees your best. That's what you want to look for. You reveal your worst and someone draws out the best. That is the power of empathy and connection. And that is how you can connect and empathize with another when they reveal the worst and see the worst, but you see their best and draw out their best and speak into them their best, their calling, their future, their destiny, their true identity, their true calling. And uh, my wonderful wife has done that many, many times. I've also got very blessed to have a father that I can uh, connect with. And uh, too recently, we've done a couple of walks and uh, been able to unload. <laughs> Just unload and say, hey, I find this so frustrating, this is so annoying, I don't understand this, this is so difficult, this is... And um, the deeper the connection, the deeper the healing that can take place. I recommend starting with someone that you trust completely. It could be your spouse, your parent, your best friend, your neighbor, or whoever the person is in your life that you feel safe being open and vulnerable with. It's important that they're a spiritual person, they overflow with the Spirit, a strong Christian, a good listener, they know how to show empathy, and that they can pray with you. Now, confession means to bring what is on the inside to the outside. It can be to tell someone that you're really upset, that you're really angry, that you're really hurt, you're really disappointed, you're really struggling. It can be unpleasant, a little embarrassing, a little messy, a little awkward. It's taking what is hidden and causing us shame and pain and confessing it to someone that we love and trust. Why do we not do this and why do we find this difficult? Well, may I suggest it's due to shame and fear. And Brenny Brown, in her book, The Gift of Imperfection, she says it this way. If we want to know why we're all so afraid to let our true selves be seen and known, we have to understand the power of shame and fear. If we can't stand up to the never good enough, and who do you think you are, then we cannot move forward. She goes on to say that shame is the intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. And she says that shame needs three things to grow out of control in our lives. Secrecy, silence, and judgment. So one of the reasons we should confess to each other and pray for one another is that it takes what's on the inside, our struggles, 
people may think, well, you don't have any struggles. You've got pretty sorted. You look all right. You've got a nice house, nice car, nice family. You're pretty sorted. But it's to take what's on the inside and put it on the outside. And that's the perfect antidote to shame. Because shame is an intensely painful feeling or believing that you're junk, a piece of rubbish, and unworthy of love. Shame says, I am bad. Now, it's different from guilt. Guilt can actually be helpful in our life when we listen to it. Guilt says, I did something bad. Guilt is about our behaviors, but shame is about who I am. It's about your identity. Guilt can be helpful to motivate us to change, to say sorry, to make amends. Guilt is powerful, and so is shame. But its effect of guilt is often positive if it leads us to make positive change. But shame is destructive. Shame says, I am bad. I'm unworthy to be loved. I am useless. I'm a piece of junk. I'm a failure. This is not the truth which sets you free. This is not the truth of your true identity in Christ on your worst day. Any of you have worst days? Bad days? Yeah? On your worst day, your identity does not change. You have, may have failed. Yes, you may. And your guilt may tell you you have failed, but you're not a failure. Failure is not your identity. You may have failed, but you remain a child of God, loved, accepted. You are known by God. You are believed in. And when you connect with God, connect with His voice, He gives you empathy. He sees your worst, but He sees your best, and He calls out the best in you. That's what God does, and that's what a good friend does. Because secrecy, silence, and self-judgment causes shame to grow out of control in our lives. But confession, connection, community, compassion, and prayer can bring healing from shame, leading to physical healing, spiritual healing, emotional healing, relational healing. Brenny Brown goes on to say that shame hates it when we reach out and tell our story. It hates having words wrapped around it. It cannot survive being shared. Shame loves secrecy. And the most dangerous thing to do after a shaming experience is to hide or to bury our story. Because when we bury our story, the shame metastasizes. And the word metastasizes, the picture of an out-of-control cancer that spreads throughout your whole body. And that's what happens when we bury our story. The shame metastasizes and spreads throughout our whole body. So yes, we should confess our sins to God. And if we have offended someone, yes, we should go to them privately, ask for forgiveness, and be reconciled. But I think it's helpful and beneficial for us to have such good friendships and connections in our life where we can confess our weakness, our struggles, and challenges with one another, and then pray for one another. Because it says the rare of a righteous person is powerful. And that righteous person is someone that is righteous because of their faith in God and they're living rightly according to God's Word. When they pray, 
in that moment of your weakness, your vulnerability, and your shame that you've opened up, that's a powerful moment for healing to come into your life that you cannot get on your own between you and God alone. Somehow God has put us into community, and that deeper healing He wants to bring into our life. Yes, you can get healing from God on your own, and you can connect with God, but He's done something about to destroy shame in our lives, is to connect and say, you know what, I had a really bad day yesterday. <laughs> I was just, you know, I was mad. And um, open up and share. Um, confess our sins to God, but also confess our weakness and struggles to one another. And in order to do this, we need to have good Christian friendships with people we trust that we can be open with, share with, and pray with. This is what loving one another looks like. So let me ask you a question. Who are your close friends? Who can you be open with? Who can you be vulnerable with? Who sees the worst of you and yet believes the best in you? Who can you open up to? In my notes that I've emailed out, I'm going to finish just now in a prayer, but I mentioned Galatians 6, 1 and 2. Um, what to do and how to respond when someone opens up to you. Um, and the key words that we see in that passage are to restore gentle words, love, and carry. And restore is a beautiful picture of, of a hospital restoration, someone being restored in their physical body. That's what we seek to do with people. And, um, carry each other's troubles. Let me suggest that we carry them by listening and then giving them to Jesus. Listen, you've got enough troubles without carrying someone else's. I don't think it means you carry the weight of somebody else's. My goodness, we'll all be going about with massive rock sacks. Carry them to Jesus. You listen to them, you pray for them, you share their pain, their weakness, their struggle, and then you give it to Jesus every day. God, I give everything and everyone to you. I give everything and everyone to you, Lord. Their problems I give to you. I can't fix them. You can. I can listen. I'm not a professional. Um, and sometimes when somebody shares with you, they may need a professional. They may need marriage counselor. They may need a counselor. They may need a psychologist, a psychiatrist. But actually 90% of the benefit of connection comes from being heard, being listened to, um, having someone who is compassionate, and empathetic and someone who doesn't necessarily offer the answers and the solutions and just says you know what me too <laughs> me too you struggle <laughs> is that all is that all you struggle with oh, let me tell you about my struggles <laughs> you're the great that's not as bad as that uh, that, that would be a good response, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be good to say, me too? Listen, I struggle. I know what it's like. And uh, you struggle as a parent. You struggle as a dad. You struggle not losing your temper. You struggle with frustration. You struggle with your emotions. Me too. <laughs> me too. I'm human too. Um, let's, let's, I'm, I'm sure you've learned some good things. Let's learn together. Let's pray together. Let's help each other. So it's not just student counselor. It's like friends. Let's help each other. Or that's your area of struggle. Here's my area of struggle. I want to pray just now in closing prayer. I hope that's helpful. I landed on when I saw, I distributed the topics and I saw mine and I was like, 
How did I end up not putting that on someone else's week? <laughs> God knows best, eh? And uh, it's actually very refreshing. Sometimes the things that we avoid are the things that are most needed in our lives. And um, I don't think I fully grasped James 5.16. I don't think it necessarily is beneficial or helpful to you or to the person to confess every secret sin that you do in private um, to another person. And I don't think what this, is, this is what it's getting at. I think we should go to God and deal with it. And then if we've offended someone, go to them. But I think there is a deeper connection that God wants us to have where we can be open and vulnerable with our struggles and our weaknesses. It doesn't necessarily have to go into great detail. Um, but there's a healing that can come. So Heavenly Father, let's just stand to our feet. Let's have the band back up. It's been a wonderful day. Thank you. Let's just close in a prayer. Children, you've been amazingly patient. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're uh, being wonderful just sitting there and uh, putting uh, with your coloring. And God bless you. Let's just reach out our hand. The band can maybe just start playing in the background. We're going to finish with one, one song. Father, we thank you for sending Jesus Christ to die upon the cross because you see, Lord, our weakness. You see our struggles. You see our humanity. You see our flaws, and yet you see the Imago Dei, the image of God in each one of us. You see our best. Thank you, Jesus, that you died upon the cross. You took the punishment for all that we could, we have done wrong, that we may be forgiven. Thank you, Lord, that you offer your forgiveness. Thank you, Lord. We stand in your love. We pray, Father, that you would help us to know what true community, biblical community is. Help us, Lord, to defeat shame and fear by finding true Christian friendships, Lord, that help us, that help us, Lord, to grow in you, grow in healing, grow in love. In Jesus' name. Name.